0: Good morning. That was weak. (laughs) Sweetie, the second time. It has been a great week for us. Um, In true summer's family fashion, we have overscheduled ourselves as usual. Um, We not only had the excitement and the chaos of Thanksgiving week, and that in company in town. Um, but we've also decided to throw moving into the mix, so we've moved from the rental house we've been in for two and a half years into the new home that God has given us, and so it has been a hectic, crazy week, um, and then on top of that, working sermon prep into the mix, um, but what's really cool is the house we have, there's like a little, like, room off the master that's like my study now, and it's awesome, because it's like totally quiet from the rest of the house, so I could go and shut the door, and it was awesome, was awesome. Um, But it's been Thanksgiving, and hopefully you guys have had a great week as far as just spending time with family and being thankful for all the things that God has blessed you with. Um, It's sad that we have to, like, designate a day to do that. We oftentimes thank God for house, car, job, health, etc. But we miss the little things, and so Thanksgiving is that time of year when we really get to focus down on all the things that God has blessed us with and that we can thank Him for. Um, The irony to that is that immediately following the day of thanks that we give, um, there's this day of chaos that has become Black Friday, um, and seeing reports on TV and witnessing some of it myself firsthand, just it's crazy that we can spin from such a thankful attitude and such a, a heartfelt gratitude to whatever that is. Um, how many Black Friday shoppers do we have in the room? Hands, honesty. Oh, got a few. First service, there was like two in the very front, and it was like a, uh, maybe, but um. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. This past week, as a matter of fact, Thursday, um, we realized that somewhere in the packing, um, some very important things called toilet paper got packed up. We don't know where it went. And so in the process of having family in town and kids in town and food, we're like, shoot, we got to figure out something. So my dad and I drove out to um, Walmart here on the island and had to pick up toilet paper. And that's all we we're going for, like no black, black Friday deals, no nothing. It was like three in the afternoon before all the chaos started. I saw John Fulcher there and he was like, Preparing for the chaos that was to come, um, but what was amazing for those of you that go to Islands why, the Walmart there. The um, every single aisle had the light on, and there was a associate in front of every single aisle. Like I thought something major had happened, and the world had flipped on its axis. But um, <laughs> it was an interesting sight. But but why in the world do we go from gratefulness to this this covetness of Black Friday where people are trampling one another and struggling in that way. Why is that such a switch? Um, Throughout the week, as I was kind of working through this idea of thankfulness and do we just do like a traditional Thanksgiving kind of sermon? No, that's not really what we wanted to go with. And so I I tried to think of what people are thankful for. And and a Harris poll did a a survey last year around this time and figured out kind of percentage-wise that 84% of people are thankful for their family. That was a good one. I was really impressed with that 84% 84% of people are thankful for the family that they have this year. 65%, this one's good, 65% were thankful for the good technology that is easily accessible to them. So, so almost close to the family marking there is the fact that your iPhone or your Galaxy Tab or whatever works when it's supposed to work. Isn't that a fabulous thing to be thankful for? And you know some of you are probably part of thankful that too. Um, 32% are thankful for the way that people treat one another. So that was a big drop there. We're into the well under the failing grades now, um, and then twenty eight percent are thankful for the current economic situation. There was a lot of other things that were on those on this survey, but those things stood out to me. So I am glad that we are at least thankful for our family. Um, but there's some other things on the list that we can be thankful for, but not necessarily a priority. Um, so as I tried to figure out what made us go from Thursday of thanks to Friday of chaos the idea of perspective came to mind. And so that's kind of where God has really centered me in on this week as far as preparing for this, is the idea of perspective. What is it that makes us see things the way we see things? What can, why can we be so grateful one day and so ungrateful the next day? And it comes down to perspective. Um, if you've ever been to the Philippines, uh, you can probably give us a few lessons about the idea of perspective and thankfulness. Um, the people in the Philippines have very little but they have a very gracious heart about the things that they do have. They are willing to share their last meal, their last cup of water, whatever it is, with anyone that comes to their house. Um, that's just something that's different about the people and the culture there. Um, as we go and make evangelism visits with teams, we take this bag of food, and the bag of food, 3 or $4 at the market as far as U.S. funds. But, I mean, it's a it's a month's worth of food a lot of times for them, and they're so grateful and so so just thankful for the fact that you come with that gift. And and of course, they'll listen to whatever you have to say because you just brought them a gift. But I mean, more importantly than that, they're just genuinely thankful for what they have. Um, One of the things that really kind of shocked me the first time is when we went, we took a bunch of toys that someone had donated. And I mean, these were like toys that have been played. This is like the yard sale find of toys. Like most people in the U.S. would be like, why do I have this junk in my, my bag? But they were so excited about these toys. Some of them were like the, the McDonald's toys, for those of you who have kids that still wrapped in the McDonald's wrapper, like hadn't been even opened yet. Um, but when we went back a, a year later, I went back and I could see some of these same houses that we visited again for encouragement. And we looked at their, the shelf on the house, like the predominant shelf on the house, and there was the toy still wrapped. Like it was that important to them and it was that big of a priority that it was like placed on a shelf and revered as something that was special to them. And I'm like, it was a McDonald's toy, man. Like my kids don't even know where those are anymore. But for them it was it was just genuine thankfulness for the things that they have. Um, I think a lot of times experiencing culture like that outside of your own will help your perspective. And, and so that could be a challenge as well as part of this is, is try to experience some other culture in that regard. So as, as I thought about it, is this discontentment, is, is it localized to the lost world or has it worked its way into church are the people of God discontent in things as well and I'm not calling any names other than my own and I can say wholeheartedly that yes that absolutely has worked its way into the church as well that the people of God are discontent with the things that we have Um, and I would blame my discontentment on my great grandmother rest her soul she's an awesome lady fantastic woman of God, but at the same time, and here's the story, let me explain, my great-grandmother, we grew up out in the country, there was country in North Myrtle Beach, there is a promise, and um, all that we had was the IGA food store and the feed and seed, that was it, like, and so when I came to Tybee, I was shocked to see an IGA food store, and kind of encouraged by that, too, um, but what we used to do every Saturday, Grant, she would go and she would get her groceries. And so I'll get to go with her. It was like the highlight of my week. And so we went to the IGA food store. And, like, of course, they had all the food staples and the butcher was over here and, and fresh veggies and all that kind of stuff. And then over in this dusty corner of the room was the toys section of the IGA food market. For those of you that don't know, the IGA food market does not pride itself in its toy section. It is not a priority in its, its mainstream of its income. It's just there to keep the kids out of the parents' hair while they do something else. And so... I would always go every Saturday, and I would look at the toys, and they were dusty. It was the same toys that had been there for months and months and months. I don't know why I like, thought something new was coming, but I'd look. And then every Saturday, she would say, well, go ahead and get what you want. I was like, all right, awesome. So I'd like pick out what I want, and I'd hold on to it. And then before I leave, I'd start looking for next week and figure out what I wanted next week. Like, I haven't even opened the toy in my hands yet, but I was already figuring out what I wanted next week. And I was like, that is where my discontentment started. And that's carried forward into my life. Guitars is the same way for me now. That's probably my biggest area of discontentment. Like, it's always the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And Adrian's like, you have like six. You have one pair of hands. How do you play six guitars? You always have to have the next thing, right? It was my great-grandmother's fault. Um, But... (laughs) But discontentment is in the life of a believer as well, and I think it goes back to perspective, that, that when we get caught up on the here and the now and the stuff in our hands and the stuff before our eyes, that we lose perspective that God has given us in our lives. So what is it that we need to do? How, how can we get back to that? Perspective, just for lack of clarification, is the idea that you're looking at things through a larger frame of reference. Like you get the bigger picture, and you understand the importance of things, that you see how things are connected, and you're able to, to prioritize things. Is what perspective means. And so there's a verse in Psalm 103.7 that I'm going to share just real quick. It deals with perspective. And this is dealing with Israel and Moses and kind of their perspective on things. The the beginning of the verse is really short. If you look at it just kind of in passing, you might miss it. So let's put that up. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. This is speaking about what God was doing at the time. And so the people of Israel saw God's deeds. They saw the things that he did, the, the supernatural way he provided for them. But if you catch what it's saying in that first part, he revealed his ways to Moses. Moses had, had an end with God, and he was able to see the, the thought and the process behind the actions. The people of Israel saw only the actions, the impact that that had on the world around them. But Moses, because of his favor with God, he was able to see why God was doing the things he was doing. He had a larger perspective. He was able to see more. And so it made him a better leader for the people, the leader that he needed to be for the people. And that's why God allowed him to have that perspective. And so it's important for a leader to have perspective, but it's also important for everyone to have perspective. Um, Not just a leader-based thing. Paul, in, in the book of Colossians, wrote about this. In Colossians 3, 1 through 2, we're going to look at that too. And talks about how perspective needs to work into the life of a believer. So if you've been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. And there's another translation that I was looking at when I was doing some research, and I, and I like the way this one's worded. The message is a paraphrase, which means one individual said, okay, this is kind of what these verses mean to me, and he rewrote it that way. And, and I like how he spun it on this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Isn't that powerful to to understand that instead of getting caught up in the stuff that's around us, or the next toy, or the next thing, or the next guitar, or whatever, that we need to look at things from Christ's perspective. And then then we will have the right outlook on things. We'll have the right priorities and things in our lives. So perspective not only gives us the ability to lead, it allows us to set priorities that are God-honoring in our lives as well. And that's why it's important. Instead of making our decisions On the here and the now, we make our decisions on what will bring God the most glory. Um, As I was preparing the message and working through things, I I like to have music kind of going in the background. And the song kept coming up. I don't know if it was by intention or or totally by God's design, but it was Toby Mac, Lose My Soul. Um, And so, fantastic song. Great little message talking about where our priorities and where our eyes are focused. Um, And I asked Adrian probably six or seven times this week, would it be okay to throw Toby Mac in a Sunday morning? And she said, sure. So you guys get to experience a little bit of Toby Mac this morning. Not from me. Um, (laughs) We've got a short video. I just took the the, the tail end of the song. It talks about how our our perspective needs to be. And so um, with no further ado, having the student pastor in front, you guys are going to have a little Toby Mac this morning. Guys, can we of this world and fight for our love and our passion as our eyes are open wide and on you you. grant us the privilege of your world and may your kingdom be what wakes us up and lays us down And nobody left. It was great. Good job. Thank you guys for veering with that. Um, like I said, I couldn't say any better. Toby Mack did an amazing job of putting into verse what it means to, to not get distracted on the here and now, but instead keeping your eyes focused on God and letting that set your priorities. And then by seeing his worldview, we were able to, to kind of delineate what's important and what's not. And so I was like, man, that would be a great thing to tie in. And being a student pastor, I can pull stuff like that off. So there it is. Um, it's safe to say that perspective is a huge deal for the um, in the life of a believer. Uh, I came to the next logical question, then. Well, how in the world do we lose our perspective, right? I mean, if we're all given that perspective at some point because we're we're saved, then then how do we lose it? What pulls us away? And I think the verse there kind of got to it, the letting the things of this world distract us. But I I think Psalm 73 does a fantastic job, and that's where we're going to hang out for the bulk of the day today, is Psalm 73. If you want to turn there, you can, Um, if not, it's going to be on the screen, not a huge deal. And I'm going to just open this up. This was written by Asaph. Asaph was one of choir, David's choir leaders. He was like one of the guys. If it wasn't David taking care of music, it was going to be Asaph. And so he did an amazing job of writing this, this psalm. And it was very personal in how he wrote it. And so that's what I think caught my eye when it came to, to how we lose our perspective. Because he was so honest and so upfront in this. It made it easy to understand. So we're going to start reading 1 through 5 just to begin. It says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. So Asaph was saying here, like, God, I know that you are good. I have heard it time and time again. I've seen it through your people. I've seen it through your works. God, I know you're good. But I almost slipped because I I was walking here with you, and I started looking over there at them, whoever them are. But looked over there at them, and I almost slipped. I, I hit a, had a slick spot, a, a, an opportunity to let my my, my focus go. And, and so what is it that Asaph saw over here in this group of people that distracted him? What was it that almost made him lose his his worldview that God had given him? I think there's three things that we look at just in this passage here. And the first one is that he, he saw the prosperity of the people, the the wicked that were over here that he kept looking back to, and he wanted that same prosperity. It says, for I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was envious of, of the goods and the things and the possessions that they had, and that, that envy and that, that desire to have those same things took away his, his God perspective and put it back on a worldly perspective. And so that was one of the areas, I think that oftentimes our perspective can get stolen or, or tripped or slipped, whatever word you want to use for that, that failure to keep that perspective, it is the, the things of this earth the goods, the prosperity, the wealth. That's from verse 3 right there from Asaph. And then there's another thing. Asaph also saw their health, and he envied that. He kept looking over at this group. And Scripture doesn't tell us what kind of health Asaph had. He might have been in great health. We don't know that. But anyway, he saw this health and the quality of life that these people had. And he's like, why is it that, that, that they have this quality of life and I don't? And, and that desire, that envy of their health made him slur possibly made him slip. It brought him right to the edge of where he was almost uh, going to give up that perspective that he needed to have. And they, they have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. That's the passage that deals with their, his desire to see their health mirrored in his own life. And then lastly, they are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. And this is the one I think is probably the most telling as far as Asaph and his struggles in this. So that they are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Asaph had no idea necessarily what was going on in these people's lives. He might have known some of them personally, and he might have seen some of their struggles, but, but none of us really know the internal struggles that, that one another go through. And so he didn't know what was going on in their hearts, but he said the way their life looks, the way things look from the outside, it's a lot better than what I have, and I wish I had that. And that desire to have this ease of life is what was causing him to slip here. And so looking next to you, looking around, the, the people that are sitting next to you, the people who are a couple hours aisles in front of you, you don't know the struggles they have, but still wanting to have the kind of life they have can cause you to lose your perspective because you're you're taking your eyes off of what God is doing in your life and focused instead on what is going on in someone else's life. And like I said, we don't know the whole story in other people's lives. That's the important thing to understand. So just in these three areas right here, we see that, that Asaph was struggling because of the prosperity of these other people, because of the health of these other people, and then because of the quality or ease of life that they had. Those are the things that were distracting him. And if you remember back to the Colossians thing that Paul was talking about, it was the things of our eyes distract us, and that's what causes us to fall and lose our perspective. And that's exactly what was happening here with Asaph in Psalm 73. So we understand we fall in these areas, so it comes down to what brings us back. What is it that, that allows us to get this perspective back, God's perspective on things? So we'll go a little bit further into Psalm 73, actually, 21 through 25. This one gets cut off, so I actually have to read out of my text. Sorry about that. We didn't test that beforehand. All right. It says, when my soul was in bitter when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That last part is the, the key to, to Asaph coming back to the right, right perspective. He says, I desire nothing on earth but you. All that other stuff, the the possessions, the health, the quality of life, all those things that I saw that almost made me slip, they mean nothing compared to having you and your perspective in my life. And that's what brings him back. Um, If you read a little bit in between the sections we just read, he talks about how um, when he went into the sanctuary of God, he understood the final placement of all these things, that that those that have the wealth and the prosperity and all those things that, that are, earthly desires, those things are, don't last. They don't have eternal consequence. And so they're just going to be washed out and be done. And he said, that reminds me that I need to put my faith and my perspective on things that last, which is God and Christ and, and our, our salvation and our forgiveness in that. And so as that breaks down, he says, you know what? I, I was stupid. I didn't understand. I was unthinking animal. And he goes on to say, you guide me. You're, you, you, with, my, with your right hand, you guide me. You are my counsel. And, and you bring me up to Glory. And I have nothing if I don't have you. And that's the beautiful part. That's that's what reminds Asaph to get his perspective back in check, to quit being so distracted with the world and get checked back into what God is doing in his life. So how did he close out this psalm? We're going to skip forward to verse 28. And I love how this ends. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell 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 about all that you do. And what he says is basically, to be in God's presence is, is the best I can hope for. It is the best for me. That, that it, I don't need all this other stuff that I think is so important, that, that more important than all of that is to be in God's presence. And that, God, you are my refuge. And so he, he finds his perspective anchored in God instead of anchored in stuff and anchored in, in illusions of prosperity that, that don't last. And I think we, we need to do the same as believers. We need to make sure that our, our perspective is anchored fully in God and, and ultimately what he has done for us and provided for us. So I can say in my own life that when I have come close or even lost that perspective, God's perspective in my life, it's been in one of the same areas that Asaph struggled with. I'm not going to ask you guys to hold hands up because that would just be awkward to some degree. But but I'm willing to bet most of you have found some struggles in, in losing your perspective based on those other things too, whether it's on possessions. Like somebody has something that you think is really cool and you're like, why don't I have that? God, why is it so unfair that I can't have that too? And so it could be um, car, boat, house, whatever. Whatever it is, the, the things that we focus on with our eyes that distract us from what God is doing, that could be one of those areas where God where our perspective slips off of God's and onto our own. Another could be our health. I've seen people's health when I was sick, and I'm like, why in the world am I sick? And they're just kicking along just fine. Or then you, you might have a loved one that, that is battling something right now, and you're like, why in the world are we dealing with that, when, when all these other people aren't dealing with that? And, and then you can see people that don't really take care of themselves and, and have a great doctor's report, and then you see people that bust their tail at the Y all the time with good diet and running all the time, and their, their doctor's report comes back with negative numbers. And you're like, what in the world? How is that? What's going on? And that, that discrepancy could be what leads us to lose our perspective and to focus on the worldly things and not the godly things. The the last one, though, for me, is probably the most telling um, and probably the question that I asked the most. The last question that Asaph dealt with was the idea of the quality of life that other people were leading. And so for me, that question is, why does this happen to me? Anyone else I will ask you on that one. Anyone else ask that question? Why does this happen to me? Like in the midst of some chaos in your life, and you're like, why? Why is this always my deal? Why can't someone else struggle with this mess for a minute? Why can't this car break for someone else right now? Like, you know, what, why has this got to be me? And that question is where I oftentimes lose my perspective is because I get so focused on, on what is dealt in my life compared to what I think is dealt to everyone else's life, which is totally not what I'm seeing the whole picture here anyway. But for me, that's the place I struggle. I ask myself, well, why, why doesn't anyone else struggle like this? But in those areas I have to think back because God is clear that, that, that I have my struggles and that we, everyone else has their struggles and what I think I see in someone else's life is not necessarily what I really see in someone else's life. That they could be going through a whole lot more and, and deal with a whole lot heavier things and I just don't get it. But perspective is such an important aspect of our lives and we need to make sure that, that we don't get hung up in one of those three areas. And, and so just like Asaph, for him, the way he got back to understanding proper perspective was to get back to who God was for him. And, and that's the same thing that we need to do as well. We need to say, you know what, I, I'll put aside the possessions, put aside the health, put aside the ease of life, the quality of life, and I'm going to focus on who God is to me. And that when I understand who God is to me and, and what he has done for me, it allows us to put ourselves back in that proper perspective, that perspective that is God-honoring, that that is looking past the the here and now and looks more towards what is to be and what is to come, and so that's a struggle, though, for us. I'm not sure how you guys do with that, um, especially this time of year, because we got, like, Thanksgiving, and then we run right into Christmas, and then we have New Year's, and there's all these things going on with travel, and family time, and work, and chaos of just life. This is a busy, busy time of year, and so it's easy to get distracted with those things. Think about you for your families for a second. Christmas is coming around the corner. What is the most important thing, if you have children, that is in the next couple of days? Like, what is the 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 Big push for your next couple weeks worth of process if you have children leading up to Christmas. I heard a little bit. What was it? This is the part you can talk back for a second. <laughs> See the students do better. Shopping for what? That gift, that perfect gift, right? Like the thing that has to be this year's big ticket item, and it ends up on eBay for like six or seven times what it actually costs because people are just evil like that. Um, and so you're just like struggling to find it and so that consumes your thoughts, and what happens? Do you think about all the joyous times you're going to have with family, and how great it's going to be to hang around the tree, and just talk about life, and reflect on what God did this past year? No, you're stressing, how can I get it shipped quick enough to get it here on time? Like, those are the things that just steal your perspective away from what God wants you to be focused on, and focus instead on the things of the earth, the things that don't give you any kind of benefit for those things. Um, We had a this is sad. This is really sad. I'm going to tell myself for a second. We had, um, in South Carolina, we, we had a perfect gift picked out for Ryland. We wanted this thing for him, and it just, a bunch of other stuff fell through, and so this is the perfect gift, and we went on eBay, and we found a woman in California selling it, so like, I totally fell into the trap, um, and it was the Star Wars at For those of you nerds out there, you know what I'm talking about, um, Coolest toy ever. Like, I wish I had one when I was a kid. I never did, but he's got one now. And so, like, we got it on eBay, and it was normally, like, two or three times what the normal, like, asking price was. We found a lady in California. It was her kids. It was, like, a display item. They weren't going to use it. They had it all boxed back up, and she sold it, like, it was actual retail value, which in itself was a small miracle. And so we had it shipped from California to our house. It got there on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. And it was raining, and we had a Christmas Eve service to go to. So instead of being concerned about the Christmas Eve service and what was going to go on there and the communion that we are going to have, I was stressing about the rain and this ATAT coming in the mail. And so we had a tent outside of our yard. Like, we put up a tent in the front yard. Yes, we went full-on crazy. We put a tent up in the front yard with a note on the door to the UPS man, please leave the package in the tent so it doesn't get wet. And, like, had the rain fly up on it, had it unzipped and ready to go. And God convicted me. He's like, Eric, how stupid do you look putting up a tent in the rain in the front yard on Christmas Eve to get a present when you're supposed to be going into my house and, and thanking me for the fact that I sent my son? Like, why are you so twisted on this stuff? And I was like, oh, I feel bad. But he got here, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but in those instances, man, like, I, I feel so convicted of just losing perspective. And I think all of us can agree to some degree that we do that that we all have moments in our lives that just snap us out of God-honoring situations and God-honoring mindsets and, and land a smack dab in, in the flesh. And so how do we get past that? And thats I don't have a perfect answer. Asaph, I think, gave a great answer. He said what you need to do is basically look at all the stuff that's so distracting to you and figure out how long that's going to last and how important that is in the greater scheme of things. And if it doesn't match up or it doesn't line up or it doesn't have duration, then shed it and let it go and and move back over to the things that have duration, the things that will last, the things that have importance to eternal nature. And so as you go into this Christmas season, I'm going to pray that you guys are able to find those things, the lasting things, the eternal things, that your perspective is focused on God, not on the things of this earth and not on the things of the target catalog and not on the things of all the other things that distract you. So that's the challenge, and and that's the message that God has just been really laying on my heart this, this season, For me personally, when it comes to resetting that perspective, it oftentimes comes to something like big. It's got to be a a, kind of a a slap over the face for me from God. Like, I've always been one of those people, I don't take just simple messages from God. It has to be like a two-by-four to the head to be able to get the message across. And and for me, it has to be some kind of situation where we're scared out of something or... or, um, something just blows up that we thought was going to happen. And in that instance, I'm like, all right, cool. It's out of my hands at this point, and my perspective gets refocused. And so if it means to be that, I pray that you guys can have small blow-ups and not major blow-ups over the holidays. But if it has to be something big, then then I I pray that, that God will allow us to see those things and be able to refocus when we get lost and we lose our own perspective on things. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to have a time of invitation. But Father God, I just thank you for this time that we can look at your word and figure out what perspective means to us. God, I hope that we can allow ourselves to put aside the perspective of the world and the things that we think are important, but really, truthfully, they are not. Help us be able to to lay those things aside, and, God, that we can focus on you. And, God, I just pray that you are in us and that that everything that we do um, over the holiday season will glorify you and bring people to you. And so, God, in this time of invitation, now, whatever is going on in our lives, help us be able to react and to be able to share Uh, The good news of Jesus over this holiday season. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.